From podcast is your host Ryan Coyle. Join alongside Joe Kometz for our second episode now of our college basketball show. College basketball top 10 games of the weekend. Going to be covering games this weekend, just on Friday and Saturday. We scheduled or picked our top 10. We did have Seton Hall, Iona, but uh, COVID is running rampant on sports right now. It looks like Seton Hall, Iona is going to be canceled as well due to COVID. I've seen that throughout the NFL and NBA, hoping this is kind of like a temporary thing and we're not going to be seeing games canceled or or some more pauses uh, throughout the sports. But last week, our opening week, Joe, you you had your picks blind. You still went five and five better than me. I went four and six. Uh, But welcome back to the show. And how are we? Uh, Very good. A lot more prepared today than I was last week. Um, Won't ever complain about going 500, though. Um, you know, we're starting to get into the thick of it now, you know, college football is shifting to bowl season. You know, I kind of said this last week, you know, now is the time to start really paying attention to college basketball. This is like the last real good week of non-conference play. Some schools have already started their conference play, but, um, this is the time of year where you kind of start to see, you know, for some schools, which we'll talk about like your last big test, you know, for some mid-majors to really impress, you know, the committee coming into conference play. Because now for some schools, they don't really get a test for another month or two. So, I mean, this weekend is a big weekend to separate yourself from the rest of the pack. All right. Well, we will start it off on Friday night with a major team that you were kind of just alluding to. That's St. Bonaventure coming to this game at 8-2. and two. They're playing Virginia Tech, who comes in at 7-4. and four. This game will be on Friday, 4 o'clock p.m. on ESPN2. Uh, it's a neutral site game down in North Carolina, I believe. Yeah, I got Virginia Tech winning this game 77 to 69. I mean, every time I look at the Bonnies, I I see, you know, they started off so strong with the, you know, the Charleston Classic. But then I see they lose by 10 to Northern Iowa, you know, against UConn. They're they're not a good first half team. I I think that's, you know, going to be one of the biggest differences here. And, you know, when it comes to Virginia Tech, they allow almost 10 more points per game than that. You know, Virginia Tech likes to play defense. The Bonnies don't play defense as well as, you know, they're letting up 71 points to Loyola, Maryland. They're letting up 81 to Coppin State. You know, they're 8-2, and two, which, you know, looks like a good record. But the problem is, you know, with the A-10, it's kind of a crapshoot where some years you could have a really good, strong conference. Then other years, there's not a lot of opportunities to really separate yourself. So, I mean, this is a very huge, very important game for the Bonnies. You know, I would kind of say it's almost like a must-win. I just don't think they have what it takes to um, get the win here, though. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. This is a, a huge game for St. Bonaventure because they started out hot, and now they've, they've lost two in a row against uh, – I mean, UConn was one of them, but Loyola Chicago was the other. They probably should have won that game. So that's some – this is a, a big game for them because this is a team coming into here we thought would maybe like a, be like a three or a four seed. Uh, maybe lose like three or four games all season, and they're already at two. Uh, we're not even into the new year yet. So I'm going to go with Virginia Tech, though, as well, 70 to 67. Um, kind of like I was just saying, they, they've disappointed thus far at only eight and two. And Virginia Tech shaping up to be a team that's going to be, I think, fighting for an at-large bid. It looks like the ACC could be down this year. So we could see Virginia Tech maybe in that, like, eight to eight seed to, like, 11 seed with one of those first four games. So if the if the Bonnies don't dominate in the A10 come 
come March, I, I think they could be on the outside looking as well. They might not even be able to get in that large spot. So, uh, like you said, though, Virginia Tech plays very good defense, only allowing 57 points per game. Neutral site game, and I think in those type of games, defense travels. Uh, so I'm going to take Virginia Tech here, 70 to 67. Uh, big, big blow. I think it's a bigger loss for St. Bonaventure in this one, though, uh, than rather than a bigger win for Virginia Tech. We go to our second game of Friday, a Big East battle. Getting into Big East play now, very excited. We got number nine, Villanova, who comes in at seven and three. We'll be traveling to Creighton, who is eight and three. Eight o'clock kickoff on FS1, or eight o'clock tip-off on FS1. Uh, I have Nova winning this game uh, 64 to 59. And all honesty, don't got a lot written here. I, I just think they're the better team. They're battle-tested. They've already played UCLA, Tennessee, Purdue, um, Syracuse, and Baylor in the non-conference. You know, even though they have they lost to three of those teams, they've been playing top level competition. And, you know, they've also been playing the schools in Philadelphia, the big five. Now, I know they, you know, they might not be on the same level as Nova. But those are still important rivalry games. You know, Villanova has been battle tested throughout. And uh, I just think they're a better team. You know, they're ready to go into an environment like Creighton. I kind of wish this game was later in the season because Creighton normally is in the discussion, you know, for being in the Big East, you know, like with a chance to win the the uh, conference, but uh, unfortunately we're getting Creighton, you know, hosting Villanova early this year to start to kick off the uh, conference play. But I just think Villanova is too much and they're going to win this game. You know, they're going to handle Creighton. It's going to be a lot more of a blowout than the score will indicate. I like Villanova as well. 78 to 70 over Creighton first conference games, conference game here for both of these teams. Uh, I think, but when we look at the standings at the end of the year, you'll see both these teams in that top, four or five range. The Big East looks good this year, though. The Creighton, Villanova is, is the favorite, I think, to win, even after losing three games in the non-conference, because you said have, have played such a tough schedule. If they played a softer schedule, they would most likely be undefeated or only one loss right now. Um, but Creighton is a team who I think should be in the mix for the top three, four, or five spots, but you could see them as low as six, seven, or eight. The Big East, I think, is going to be as good as it's been in a while this year. Uh, Nova is coming off their lowest scoring total under Jay Wright against Baylor, where they had 36 points total. And Creighton uh, beat up on BYU last weekend, but then they dropped one to a Arizona State team who's now only five and six. Villanova Creighton have always had some good battles. Uh, Creighton does have a 7-1 center, though. Ryan Kalkbrenner down low. He's averaging 12 and six. He could be a problem and a difference maker uh, for Creighton in this, in this one because Villanova, if they're lacking one thing, it's size on the interior. Uh, so that's something to watch out for in this matchup. But Nova more battle tested right now and rarely dropped two in a row under Jay Wright. I think it's only happened like once or twice in like the 20 years he's been there. So I think Villanova moves to one and zero in the conference, getting a, a 78 to 70 win here. Uh, now we go to Saturday where we have battle of two Indiana teams. We got Butler at 73, first number three Purdue nine, who's nine and one. Uh, this is a 12 o'clock tip off on Fox, but. This game is another neutral site game. I think it's where the Pacers play, but I thought, thought it would be cooler if these two teams matched up at either Mackey Arena or at a Hinkle Fieldhouse. I agree with you there. I think they're starting to do this now because I think Notre Dame is playing Indiana. Like, it's the four big Indiana schools. Like, they play like – they rotate every year, but, like, this year Notre Dame is playing Indiana. It's like the Crossroads Classic or whatever. Uh-huh. But um, just going back quickly to what you said about the Big East, I mean, the worst team with the non-conference record is Georgetown at six and four. Everyone else seven and three. You know, two. You know, Nova Butler seven and three. Two schools are eight and three. We have an eight and two, a nine and two, two nine and ones, and two ten and ones all in the non-conference. The Big East is going to be very scary. Even like 
the teams like DePaul aren't going to be easy games to win. But, mm-hmm. you know, anyways, going back to this game, uh, I have Purdue winning 77-68. Um, Butler has two wins against non-D1 teams. So take those, you know, games out there. Five and three this year against D1 teams. And their three losses have been, to, you know, they've been to good teams, but they show that when they kind of take that step up in competition that they don't have the firepower to keep up with them. And um, I think Purdue is, you know, is a fluky half court, you know, crazy shot away from being perfect. I think they're going to dominate uh, Butler here and uh, win this game pretty easily. I like Purdue as well. I got them winning by 13, 75 to 62. I think the spread in this one will be about like 12 and a half. That's why I had the Purdue covering with that uh, winning by just 13. But two teams that play conflicting styles. Butler really wants to slow it down and limit your possessions and bank on their defense. Uh, Purdue plays solid defense, but they do average 87 a game and are looking to outscore you, I think, each and every night. So they do have the clear edge down low on the glass with Zach Eady and Travion Williams. Uh, but Butler has a really good guard in Chuck Harris, who's a, who's a guy definitely to keep an eye out for in the Big East this season. Uh, but I just don't think the Bulldogs are going to have an answer inside for the Boilermakers, and they can't score with them. So uh, I'm going to go Purdue 75, Butler 62. We'll move on to our next game, another 12 o'clock tip-off. This is another in-state battle. We have number 18, Tennessee, who's 8-2. and two. Uh, We'll be playing Memphis, who is 6-4. and four. I believe this game is in Nashville. Uh, this is 12 o'clock on ESPN2. Uh, Memphis, you know, they, you know, sitting here on their last leg in all honesty. Um, I have Tennessee winning this game by one, 88 to 87. I'm starting to wonder about Penny as a coach. I mean, he's in year four. He hasn't made it to the NCAA tournament yet. You know, they, he might've made it during that COVID year, but I don't really know. I don't really remember how good that Memphis team was then. Um, people were talking about Memphis as a potential dark horse to make the final four, maybe even a title contender. A lot, there was a lot of noise around this program in the preseason. And they've really disappointed in the non-conference so far. And honestly, I, I just don't know if there's a lot there in the American outside of Houston. You know, Houston, if you beat them, you know, that's a good win. But they have a brutal home loss to Murray State, you know. And they that capped off their four-game losing skid. They lost to Iowa State, who was very good. They lost to Georgia and Ole Miss, who aren't great. You know, like, if they didn't lose to Murray State, I mean, I guess, you know, like, there'd be a lot less concern. But, I mean... I think the Tigers are going to be in this game. You know, they get up when they play Tennessee because Tennessee kind of looks down on Memphis. You know, they're like the, they're like the irrelevant team in Tennessee, even after Vanderbilt, because they're at least Vandy's in the SEC. So I think Memphis is going to definitely get up. Penny Hardaway, you know, he has his back against the wall. But, I mean, the seat's starting to get a little hot. Um, Tigers are going to have to be real good come, you know, American Conference play if they want to be considered in the tournament. Yeah, and winning that game against Alabama the other night was big for them because they could have, if they lose this game, that could have been a potential like six-game losing streak. So getting that win was huge for them and their confidence, I think, going forward. But I don't think it'll be enough to push them over the top in this one. I had Tennessee as well, 80-73. to They did look dead in the water coming into that Alabama game, just losing to Mary State, but then they take down Bama. So, like I said, could be a big confidence boost. Uh, the real question, I think, is how do they bounce back in this game? Do they revert to their old ways or do they continue to build on how they played the other night? I just don't think you can be confident in Memphis right now, even after that win. Uh, if they win this game, I'm going to become a believer again. But until then, I'm going to roll against them. Kennedy Chandler is an awesome point guard. He's going to be a matchup problem for Memphis. That's the one thing. If you can point to their team about right now, they don't have, really have a stud point guard. Um, and I think that's the difference in this one with Kennedy Chandler. So 
Give me Tennessee 80, Memphis 73. Now we go to another neutral set game. A lot of neutral set games this weekend. Uh, we got number five, Gonzaga, who's 8-2. and two. We'll be playing number 25, Texas Tech, who's 8-1. and one. 1 o'clock tip-off on CBS. This game is in Phoenix, I believe. I have Gonzaga winning this game pretty big, in all honesty, 90-73. to 73. Um, I will say, though, Gonzaga, is not, they're not the same team as last year. They look a lot more human than they did at this point last season. You know, they'll get into conference play pretty soon. This is their last real test until March Madness, in all honesty, you know, besides that occasional road game at St. Mary's or BYU. But, I mean, and the Red Raiders, their best win – outside of their win against Tennessee is a neutral site game against Incarnate Word. They have really not played anybody outside of Tennessee and Providence. You know, they lost to Providence. I might be mixing those two up, but I think they beat Tennessee in overtime and lost to Providence. This is Gonzaga's last chance to really, you know, show show off. You know, they lose this game. I, I think it'll be real tough to try to battle up to a you know, one seed. You know, Gonzaga might be sitting at a two or three by the end of the season, depending on what happens. But uh, I just think Gonzaga is going to dominate. I think they're a the better team. I like the Zags in this one as well. I got them a bit closer than you, though. I got it uh, 84 74. Kind of like you were saying, Joe, Texas Tech had a pretty soft schedule so far. But this is the type of game I think they need uh, going into the, the heart of Big 12 play with the likes of Baylor, Kansas, Iowa State, surprising Texas, all looking like sweet 16 caliber teams right now. These are all top 25 teams. Texas Tech, an elite defensive team, only allowing 58.9 points per game. They are battling one of the best offensive teams in the entire country with Gonzaga, just putting up a little bit over 85 a night. So I think on the interior, though, is where this game is going to be won for Gonzaga. You got Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy. It's going to be hard to match up against them and physically down low each and every night, especially once they get to conference play. That's where those two are really going to impose their will. But if you look at Texas Tech, they don't really have a big guy really to match up with them. They got Terrence Shannon, who's a, a pretty nice physical wing, but he's not not the type of player inside that Holmgren and Timmy are. So Zags need a win here, I think. If you look at all the times they got the one seed, I believe they've only lost two, maybe like three games max. Uh, if they lose this one, they're going to have three losses going into West Coast Conference play, and they could drop one in there too. So with all, all their losses potentially coming against Power 5 conference teams and Duke, Alabama, and maybe even Texas Tech, um, this is a game that they're going to need to win, I think, in order to prove that they're worthy of a one seed. So I think they come to play in this one, 84-74, Zags over Texas Tech. Um, another neutral site battle. This is a CBS Sports Classic. Number four, UCLA at 8-1 and versus another Blue Blood program. And UNC is currently unranked, but they're 8-2, and two, and a win certainly pushed them in the top 25. It's a 3 o'clock tip-off on CBS. Not really sure. I think this game's going to be played. Not really sure. UCLA did miss last night's game against Alabama State. So going to be interesting over these next few days to see what happens with this. Uh, But as of now, let's say that it's. Yeah, I'm going with uh, North Carolina here, 82 to 80. You know, I'm picking the upset. Um, The Bruins are dealing with COVID issues. That's kind of why I'm leaning towards the Tar Heels here. Um, it's a neutral site game. I believe it's in Vegas. You know, Tar Heels travel well. They always do, you know, wherever they go. You know, when they were up in Connecticut earlier in the year, you know, it, was, it looked like it was all North Carolina fans there. I think they'll have a bit of advantage in terms of the crowd because, you know, with a lot of these Pac-12 schools like UCLA, it feels like the like the fans aren't really invested until you have a, like, sustained winning for a long amount of time. I know they're number four in the country right now, 
But, you know, I really don't know. You know, you got to see what's going on there. But um, honestly, with the COVID issues, really, it's kind of a mystery. That's why, like, I don't know if UCLA's been able to practice. You know, Coyle, like you said, their game against Alabama State, you know, got canceled. I think, you know, they might have a little bit of rust coming into this game, and I think that's going to be the difference. I think uh, North Carolina's kind of building something. They might not be a national title contender this year, but I think they're going to be a very – they're going to play everyone tough. I think they'll definitely be a second weekend kind of team. I'm going to go with UCLA. That's kind of contingent on they're not missing any key players due to COVID. Um, but So I'm just going to roll with them, saying that they're going to have their guys here in this one. I'm going 84-80, very close game, just like you had. Good test, though, I think, for UNC. They started off kind of slow. They found a groove under their new head coach, Hubert Davis. Big thing for UCLA is Cody Riley, their big man, has been out all season since the first game. And that's going to hurt the Bruins down low in this one as they have Dawson Garcia, Garcia and Armando Baycott down in the post, one of the better one-two punches inside. Uh, I think it rivals Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy, as I was just talking about, as one of the better front court duos in the country. UCLA, though, has better guard play, which I think is going to be the difference in this one. Under Mick Cronin, you know teams are going to defend, rebound, and do everything they can down low um, to make up for their height deficiency. I just think if, as long as he's on the sideline in that one, he's going to have his guys ready to go. Uh, out coach Hubert Davis in this one, who's still a young head coach uh, in college basketball. He's going against Cronin, one of the top five coaches, I think, in the country. I think he has his guys ready to go, uh, and they're going to be able to scrap down low enough to get the diff- to make a difference and get the win here, 84-80. to 80. Now we go to another Big East game where we got eight and three Marquette traveling to number 22 Xavier, who's nine and one. Also, four o'clock tip off on FS1. I think it's going to be a great game. I have Xavier winning 53 to 50. In all honesty, I think Xavier at home, I mean, Marquette has surprised me this year. I really didn't expect Marquette to be this good. You know, they have some quality wins. Uh, I just think Xavier's going to play, you know, the Centos Center is a very hard place to play. You know, I think it's going to be a low-scoring, grind-it-out, you know, get-your-lunch-pail kind of game. And I think uh, the Musketeers are going to have enough, you know, and uh, outlast Marquette and uh, win a real – I think this might be the best game we have on the slate in terms of, like, how close it's going to be. I think it's going to be the most competitive game we have on this slate for this weekend. Yeah, I think it's really going to be a, a tight battle as well. But I'm going to go opposite of you and take Marquette 70-67. to 67. Very good Big East battle here start off the season. A lot of great Big East matchups we got this weekend. We'll be talking about one in our next game as well. But uh, Xavier's looked really sharp to start the season, and Marquette has cooled off a little bit since their hot start. They had a, a pretty tight battle against UCLA last week, but weren't able to defeat them. Uh, Marquette has been much more battle-tested, though, I think. When you look at their non-conference, they got games against Illinois, uh, Ole Miss, who figures to be fighting for a tournament spot, West Virginia, who should be in the mix, St. Bonaventure, who we talked about, Wisconsin, who's a top 25 team, Kansas State, who's always a pretty competitive bunch, and then UCLA. So they've had a lot of tough games. I think that tough non-conference play is going to really help them come Big East play and eventually push them to a potential tournament spot this year. And I think that's going to help them start off with a 1-0 record in the league, going to Xavier, uh, getting a win. That's going to be big for Shaka Smart. So give me the Golden Eagles 70, the Musketeers 67. We go to our... Third to last game of the weekend, we got Providence at 10-1 and one at number 20, UConn, who's 9-2. and two. Five o'clock, tip-off on Fox, and as we were recording, got the update that it looks like Tyrese Samuel is going to play in this one, and potentially Sonogo as well for UConn. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Very exciting stuff. Um, 
think UConn, I mean, I'm biased here, you know, so don't real pay too much attention to what I have to say. I have UConn winning this game 75-64, arguably the front deepest front court in America. I think they are the deepest front court in America. I think they're, you know, UConn is building something special. I think, you know, Hurley's got these guys going in the right direction. It's exciting to see UConn basketball be good and be relevant again and be a top 25 team. Because those years when we were in the American, besides that first year when we won that fluke national title, I mean, it's been tough watching UConn some of these years. But it's very exciting to see them, you know, on the uptick. Made the tournament last year, but really Book Knight was the only guy that could get it done for them. You know, returned a lot of those guys from last year. Real excited. You know, UConn sit at 9-2. and two. And, you know, two losses to very good teams. So, uh, you know, we, you know, close loss to West Virginia, you know, close loss to Michigan State. I know I said this last time, but uh, keep it rolling here. I got UConn winning. The XL Center is going to be bumping. Uh, give me my Huskies. Well, as we were recording, we just got word from John Ralston that the um, Ohio State-Kentucky game in the CBS Sports Classic has been canceled due to COVID. So that was one of the games uh, on our list. We'll have a, a quick fill-in. Um, I'll, I'll put that in at the end of the show while you're talking about your next game. But I'm going to go with UConn as well, 67-61. Uh, another game is going to be a great battle. Two physical teams, two great coaches, and both programs uh, are looking to set the tempo heading into Big East play. In physical battles, it usually comes down to rebounding and defense. And UConn is actually the sixth-best rebounding team in the country. Uh, and allowing a whopping 0.2 points per game less than Providence. So very, very good defensive teams. But physicality-wise and, and rebounding-wise on the glass, I think UConn has the slight edge in this one. So I'm banking on extended rest for UConn, uh, getting some key of, some of their key guys back. I think they find a, win the, find a way to win this one at home. And, and R.J. Cole down the stretch makes a few big plays. So give me UConn 67 and Providence 61. Um, we'll go to our ninth game of the week. We got... Number 13, Auburn, who's 9-1 and one, at St. Louis, who's 8-3. and three. This is a 9 o'clock tip-off on CBS Sports Network, and this is just filling in for that Seton Hall-Iona game. Yeah, that really sucks. You know, our game, our next game was supposed to be Ohio State-Kentucky. I saw the update, didn't want to say anything, but I was like, you know, that sucks. Um, but I got Auburn winning this game 83-71. to 71. Um, I just think Auburn, you know, once again, Auburn's battle-tested. They played in that uh, the Bahamas, the Paradise Tournament. Um, you know, they played against UConn in like one of the best games this season so far. Um, I just think the Tigers are a really good team. I just don't think St. Louis has the guns to keep up with them. Um, I believe someone on St. Louis, like one of their starters got hurt in the preseason. I'm, the name is, I'm blanking on the name right now. Um, do you know yeah, what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think it was their best player actually, like towards ACL or something. Yeah, one of their best players, if not the best player, definitely like, towards ACL. I free, I'm blanking on the name, but if he was still playing, I would have loved that like, this game would have meant a lot more. And St. Louis, you know, who knows? They might have been an undefeated team. And, yeah. I love Billikens, you know, one of my favorite mascots in all of college athletics, them in Wichita State. But um, I'm going to give me you know, the Tigers. Welcome to the jungle. They're going to keep winning and they're going to keep, uh, you know, this team has a chance to be a uh, Sweet 16 Elite 8 team this year. I'm rolling with the Tigers as well, 90 to 78. Um, a mar the marquee non-league game on the season for the Billikens, though. And this is, I think, going to be their biggest resume booster come March if they're able to win. Because with uh, the A-10, you're looking at St. Bonaventure, maybe St. Louis, maybe Richmond, maybe Dayton. Like, there's no real definite team right now, I think, 
that you can look at and say is going to make it out of the A-10. So if, if they're able to get a win like this, that's going to really enhance their, their resume come March. Um, but I don't think they, they have enough in this one. I think Auburn is really good, like potentially Final Four good. They're a team I've watched three or four times already, a bunch this year. Um, and they have um, Jabari Smith, who I think personally is the best freshman in the country right now, over Chet, over Paulo. Um, he's going to be too much to contain in this one. I don't think St. Louis has a guy to match up with them. So I'm going to go Auburn 90, St. Louis 78. Uh, and then we have that fill-in game now on the fly, our last game. I could have much analysis on this one because we're just throwing it in after that Ohio State-Kentucky news. Um, but we got number one, Baylor, who's 9-0, and at Oregon, who's disappointed out of the gates at 6-5. and But they, they had an impressive win the other night. I forget over who, but it was a it was a game that they might be potentially turning the corner right now. Uh, but what are your thoughts on this matchup, Joe? I mean, I, I once, you know, kind of what I said about the um, Villanova game, I just think that Baylor's a better team. I mean, you know, 10 o'clock tip ESPN 2. I don't know if you said that. Oregon, you know, they're a 6-5 team. They lost to Arizona State at home. They lose by three to Stanford. Um, their most recent big win, I'm looking here, uh, I don't think they have one. They have wins yeah, against- I was just the the other night when they won. It was it was only against Portland, but they won by twenty five. So I just thought oh, maybe yeah. a little bit of a step that. in the right direction. No, I mean I agree. I think and you can never count this Oregon team out because remember mm-hmm. uh, freshman year coil. They were they ended up winning the Pac twelve title. They were twelve seed. And they made it to like the Sweet sixteen. Made it a three bid league. Yeah, Pac twelve was a three bid league that year. Um, I mean I I just think Baylor's a better team. It sucks, you know. Oregon wins in, you know, a couple of these games. You know, they lose, I think, at the buzzer to Stanford on a three. They lose by two in overtime to Arizona State. I mean, you know, just two of those games get flipped around. All of a sudden, you know, Oregon is sitting. This game means a lot more, in, you know, than it does now. But uh, I just think the Baylor Bears are going to be way too much. I think they're going to dominate this game from tip to finish. And uh, I know I only have them winning by seven, but I think it's going to be like one of those, you know, Oregon's never really in it type games. Yeah, I got Baylor win as well by 7-2, but more high scoring than you. I got them 80-73. Um, Oregon, though, under Dana Altman, is a, t- is a team that usually improves as we see the year go along. So don't be surprised to see them potentially pull off this upset. There, there was a few other games I could have thrown in here, but I think Oregon is going to keep it kind of close. I do think Baylor will wind up getting the win, but Oregon under Altman usually gets better and better as the season goes along. Uh, look for them to keep this one pretty tight and and build off of this game and going into Pac-12 play. Who UCLA, um, USC, the the Pac-12 is looking a little bit better than usual this year. Uh, look for Oregon to to get get a few big wins in that in in the league uh, and potentially be in the tournament mix. They they started slow out of the gates, but this could be the kind of game where even if they lose, it's more of like a confidence builder that they can they they can hang with some of these top teams. Uh, and potentially make a run to the tournament yet again under Dana Altman. Uh, but that'll do it. Hopefully we have no more games this weekend canceled to COVID. That was a real shame. Ohio State-Kentucky was, was shaping up to be uh, a real good battle. Uh, hopefully we can get this thing under control again and get back to playing uh, these games uh, as scheduled, fully scheduled. So uh, any last-second comments before we head out, Joseph? No, I mean, I agree with you. Hopefully no more games get canceled. You know, hopefully everyone can stay safe. You know, it's a tough time of year. I feel like around this time last year in college basketball, too, during the holiday season, we had a little bit more of an uptick. So hopefully this is just, you know, a temporary thing and we can get to March with, 
relatively, you know, a small amount of games canceled. So, yeah, that's all I really got. Just hope everyone stays healthy and stay safe. All right. Well, that'll do it for college basketball top 10 games of the weekend for Beef Up Front, and we will talk to you next week.